Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. A reminder that you can subscribe to the show via email. Just click on the button on the left-hand side of your screen, enter your email address, and then every time I upload a new show, you will be notified in your inbox. And it's a good way to keep up with the show because it's not uploaded on a regular basis. Now, in today's program, it's my pleasure to welcome back pattern recognition expert Larry Pesavento. Larry, how are you doing? Just fine, Dominic. How are you this morning? Uh, I'm very well. I'm very well. It's uh, surprisingly sunny here in the UK. Whereabouts in the world are you? Well, right now I'm in Longboat Key, Florida. I'm on a little bit of a holiday right on the Gulf of Mexico, so having a great time. Not affected by the oil? Oh, no. This is so far away. I, don't, I think that's probably blown out of proportion anyway, but uh, we're probably three or 400 miles away from anything that had any semblance of a problem. Okay. Good stuff. Well, um, Larry, you uh, uh, Skyped me earlier today and said, can I come on and do an interview? Uh, because I presume we've got one of your turn dates coming up. Yes, we do. You know, as we last talked, which was, I believe, the end of August, um, you know, we had a pretty good bottom form. I thought it was going to be a much lower bottom than it was, but it has been a significant bottom because the market moved higher than it had in seven decades. And, you know, we're still in a downtrend uh, as far as U.S. stocks are looking at uh, because of the fact that we have lower tops. And we've had some higher bottoms, but we're in this pennant with lower tops. And now what we're coming into is we have a very significant astrological event. We have Venus conjunct um, the sun uh, that occurred yesterday. And that's also known as combust, but it's in combination with a, a, a lot of pattern recognition things that we call like bearish gartleys or bearish butterflies that are happening in all the indices uh, in the United States. And we're also having the same thing happening in China. The Hang Seng Index has uh, completed a, a major pot, uh, pattern, as has the FTSE. Uh, the DAX has also completed a major product, uh, pattern. So all of these are coming together at the same time that we have this combination of actually it's an 88 and 176 day cycle and a and a one year cycle all coming together and a two year cycle all coming together uh at the same time which should hit either friday or monday we could have a slightly higher high on monday but i certainly don't see an explosive move to the upside from here and the potential to the downside is uh is quite high it's interesting that you've basically mentioned all the major stock markets in the world. They all do seem to move in, in unison. And uh, what moves on the, the the dancing partner, if you like, um, is the U.S. dollar. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, the U.S. dollar has, has strong support at the 77 level. That's the 786 Fibonacci retracement from the low we had, you know, in July to the rally we had and then the pullback. And so th this is where um, it has to make it stand right here. But, but I think that, you know, the three major currencies of the world, we have the U.S. dollar, the euro, and the Japanese yen. The Japanese yen is by far the most interesting to me because 
it is forming a three drive pattern absolutely perfectly symmetrical with a butterfly pattern all coming to, together now and it's uh, in a 45 uh, week cycle um, that has been uh, you know pretty pretty coherent I mean you can see it re re relatively easily and that that is uh, that is completing right now and it's, and it's doing also, a double top isn't it yeah well it's actually it's it's actually the third it's actually the third top on the Japanese yen weekly chart versus the dollar it is uh, we've had uh, several um, I'm, I'm looking at the reverse I'm looking at the dollar versus the yen oh, so okay. yeah that, that's exactly right but on the dollar versus the yen we're making a three drive to a bottom pattern and that's what makes it so significant because these patterns don't fail very often however when they do you know they'll really uh, really cause a lot of problems if we get below 78 um, you know somewhere in that yeah if we get below 78 in the Japanese yen that would be equivalent to about 126 I believe to the yen to the dollar yeah uh, you, you could really have uh, you know really have some real serious problems with the US dollar and that's certainly possible because you know our government's just basically writing checks giving money away they're trying to cure our problems by you know uh, giving more debt and that's that's the same equivalent like if we try to cure our debt problems by you know taking on more credit card debt it's just not going to happen but you know the market hasn't seen this yet and uh, but this is this is what we're looking at we're over a major time I'm just alerting you that something big is here the patterns are complete so you know I'm looking uh, we went we went short Friday and uh, you'll have to take a look at it, you know, what happens uh, in the next few days. But everything is there. We'll see if it works or not. OK, so um, broadly speaking, stock markets down, dollar up, yen down. Um, what do you make of the commodities? Let's look at oil first. Yeah, oil's in a trading range, Dominic, I think between 85 and 79. Uh, it's been doing that for quite a while. Um, it's amazing that the fact that the, the crude oil has not gone up with, uh, you know, silver and gold and the other commodities. I'm very surprised that it's lost its correlation there because it used to be called black gold. And, you know, the correlation is not nearly as strong as it used to be. You know, oil has these lower tops and, uh, you know, gold has made much higher highs, as has silver. And, uh, you know, platinum's made a 61% retracement off of the high to low. Uh, and so, and copper has made a you know a big double top possibly, and so you know all of these come together. Gold is very interesting, as is silver, because you know we had a pretty good run to that thirteen eighty five level, then we backed off about eighty dollars an ounce, and now we we've come back Friday, and we hit a sixty one percent retracement in gold at that thirteen sixty level. So if we can uh, you know get above the thirteen seventy five level. Uh, early this week, you know, we got a shot at fourteen ten to fourteen twenty, I believe, in the uh, in the gold market. It could go, you know, it could go parabolic. You just don't know if if the if the dollar melts down, gold will most probably just start another really strong up move that could exceed even the wildest expectation that I'm looking at, which is around fourteen twenty. What do you make of the? Do you look at the ratio between gold and silver? No, I don't. Um, I, I used to many years ago, but basically what I do, I look at each of the uh, commodities uh, similar. I know people say that the ratio has been out of uh, kilter for quite a while, but I, I really don't trade um, uh, intermarket spreads like that at all. I basically look at each of the precious metals by themselves, and um, it takes the, the mystery out for me because if I start to try to understand, you can trade the ratio off the charts if you like, but that's something that I don't do. I look at each of them separately. 
And, okay, what about the bond market? What do you make about the bond market? Well, the, bond, the bond market's going to be very critical because, you know, we have the Fed meeting coming up where they're going to do the quantitative easing where they're going to put somewhere between $500 billion and $2 trillion into the economy again by buying treasuries. But that's, in effect, what we just mentioned is they're just going into debt to pay the debt. And I don't think that's going to be a good thing longer term, but, you know, we'll have to see. Something really interesting happened this week in the Treasury bond market, and that is Bill Gross of PIMCO, which is the largest bond fund in the world with $1.2 trillion, came out and basically said that the Fed was operating a Ponzi scheme. And the fact that they were just issuing debt to pay debt, and he said that's nothing more than a Ponzi scheme. And then there's been several other people that are relatively uh, well-known in the United States, Peter Schiff being one, basically said that... Uh, uh, that it was fraudonomics is what he was calling it, and he said what the, Fred, the Fed was doing was countermount to treason. And he said if it were anything other than a banana republic, he said the people probably would be strung up. Now, I don't know if it's that serious or not, but, you know, that's what they're doing is they're trying to prop up an economy, and, and really recessions are good because they basically purge the system of things that are not working, and you can get back on track. We used to have these all the time back, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, but... You know, since the 1990s, we had one in 1991, we had one in 2001, and we had one in 2008. But, you know, every four years or so, we used to have a recession to purge some of these things. But the banks now have, you know, pretty much control of what the heck's going on in the world. They're not loaning many money, and they've got plenty of money there. They're borrowing money at 0% almost, and they're, what little they lend out, you know, they lend out at a great deal of uh, interest, you know, somewhere around 8 or 9%. Or they stay in treasury bonds at three and a half percent, so it's a no-brainer for them. But they're you know, not stimulating the economy like they should be doing. Mm. So the, the the Fed meets on Wednesday. I mean, do you think they listen to someone like Bill Gross? Well, I will tell you this: I was absolutely shocked when I saw the comment, and um, you know, it was on several of the news uh, medias, and he didn't retract it. So, and it came from him. So it it, it appears that there either is a falling out. He's one of the number one dealers, I mean, for them. I mean, he's got to be one of the biggest broker-dealers, you know, for when they issued the paper. So when someone of that magnitude, and, and believe me, Bill, Bill Gross has the same clout that uh, George Soros or any of these other, uh, you know, people that come on that are that are quite famous. But he is uh, he handles more than any of them at $1.1 trillion. I mean, that that's a, you know that's bigger than the economy of you know california so almost but, it's even bigger than my but, portfolio oh yeah yeah certainly bigger than mine <laughs> but no he's a very powerful man you know and he's had a tremendous track record with uh with his bond fund and also his stock fund have beaten the average you know for for quite a few years so it's very important when somebody like that you know blows a whistle or you know makes a cautionary uh comment like that which i think someone you know has to do now, Larry, you're a you're basically a, a short to midterm trader, and uh, you, yes. you know you'll make a call like like the one you're making now, and uh, you'll put your stop just on the other side of of where you see the pattern forming. And so, if you're wrong, you, your stop gets hit, and you take the loss, and you move on to the next trade. And and if you're right, you you let it run, and and uh, you know keep moving your stop up until you're satisfied that the the pattern you're looking for has been completed. If you were a longer term investor. How would you be positioning yourself now? Well, I, I would ask all, first of all, I would ask all of your uh, listeners to sit down because what I'm going to say, they're probably going to fall over and laugh. But what I would do is the first thing I would do would be get out of debt. And the second thing I would do is to hold cash. 
because I think that we are going to have uh, something significant uh, happen here. I mean, um, uh, I, I'm just looking at cycles, Dominic. You yeah. know, and uh, I think there's going to be, you know, history says that when you borrow money like that uh, without any responsibility, it has always 100% come back and been a horrible thing. Now, I know ours is going to be horrible too, but I just don't know how it's going to end. Look what happened in Japan. They've been in a 20-year bear market. And uh, remember in the 1989 with the Nikkei right near 39,000, you know, that it uh, uh, looked like it was never going to be any end to it. And what happened was the same thing, is that they went, you know, very heavily into debt. And now, they, you know, it's just been a disaster for them. And I think the same thing is going to, you know, be, be happen to us. I mean, this is what history says. I'm just looking, you know, what history says. So a, a protracted, drawn-out, grinding bear market rather than yes. a, a short, sharp drop? Well, I think so because, it, uh, you know, the, uh, one of our f- famous speculators from the 1930s was Bernard Baruch. He was the big banker during those years along with J.P. Morgan. And uh, Baruch said that the greatest scam in the world in the stock market was to inflate prices to a high price and you can get suckers to buy it all the way down. And uh, I think that's some of the things that, uh, that we're looking at with some of these stocks that we're watching now. You know, maybe even Apple. You know, maybe Apple is even in Amazon and uh, Priceline.com and Netflix and mm-hmm. some of these others. They're, they're doing exactly what happened in 2000 when we had the dot-com bubble, and that dropped 87% from – and it's never really recovered. The NASDAQ on a, on a basis has not even retraced 38% of that move on all of the – thousands of nasdaq stock it's only a handful of the nasdaq stocks that are going up because they're they're all price weighted so you know you have a stock like uh, amazon and google and baidu and priceline and, and netflix that are all very very expensive they take they take all of the weight you know the bulk of the stocks are you know far under where they were in 2000 mm-hmm. it's uh, actually um if you can do this, it's it's well worth doing. If you plot the Nasdaq um, in the lead up to 2000 and then in the years following, over the U.S. stock exchange in the lead up to 1929 and in the decade following, one is an exact mirror of the other. Yes, uh, I've seen that. I've seen that graph, and it is certainly is just another way of saying history repeats itself, and yeah. that's what we, you know, everything we base on pattern recognition is repetition. And uh, the fact that it is predictable. And, uh, you know, those are the things. It's predictable within limits. You know, I'm saying, you know, you can't be right 100% of the time. Nobody can, but you can certainly get to the 70% level with a little bit of work. And we do a lot better than that. And so I think that, uh, you know, people have to pay real attention to what's going on right now because this is this the next two or three days are going to be critical. You know, we have the U.S. elections, and this is going to be one of the most important elections in the United States in the last couple of decades, I believe, because people in the U.S., many of them are just fed up with what the politicians are doing, and we might start seeing strikes like they're having in France and Greece and other places because, you know, people, we have 553 politicians controlling 330 million Americans, and some of us are getting relatively upset about what they're doing. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me tell you a couple of stories, Larry, that... Uh, Give you an idea, might give you an idea what's going on. The, the 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 first thing is is I was at a dinner party the other night with my uh, next door neighbour who is a taxi driver aged eighty six, a retired taxi driver, and his wife, 
and uh, she's in her kind of late 70s and they're just a lovely sweet old couple with a little bit of savings and of course their savings are being eroded by inflation and um, you know they they keep coming to me and they, they read my articles and they're saying you know um, I think we should be buying cotton and uh, I think we should be buying uh, coffee I mean cotton and coffee can't go down can they I mean that's a sure thing yeah, and I don't know if you've looked at a cotton chart or a coffee chart recently. Oh uh, yes, they've both gone parabolic, and and I just as soon as I heard, you know, the eighty-six-year-old next-door neighbour who's never speculated in a stock in her life, suddenly yep. uh, uh, talk, talking about buying cotton. I mean, it was alarm bells were going off incredibly. Yeah, I, I that you know I, I see it in many different areas for sure you know but, uh, but when you hear things and I, I I'm familiar with some of those stories myself because people call me and ask me you know and I'm seeing the same type of people you know in their late seventies so can I start buying gold now I said you know if you didn't buy it at three hundred why are you going to buy it at fourteen hundred you know it's ridiculous but uh, and but I mean the price... I feel sorry for these people because they are being forced to speculate by policymakers. Yes, uh, that's true, because they have to vote. That's what they have to do. They have to vote the people out that are printing the money. And until that happens, I don't think that we're going to see much of a difference. But, but OK, so here's my next point, is, is you have to vote the people out. But, you, I mean, the next lot that come in are as bad as the last lot. Because, for me, the whole kind of bloated state in the expansion of government is, is you know, nine-tenths of the problem. And so, in a way, some kind of whether it's a deflationary bust or a hyperinflationary bust, but a mega, mega bust that brings down the whole monetary system, which is what some people are predicting, you know, it would be awful. But in fact, it would be quite a good thing because suddenly you'd, it would purge the whole system quickly and dramatically. But because, you know, if at the moment, to try and make the transition from, you know, this bloated, unproductive state that's busy controlling every... Uh, everybody's lives to some kind of liberal um, society where people take responsibility for themselves, it's just too difficult a transition to make. It's just, it's politically unpalatable, it's socially unacceptable, and you need some kind of, you know, bust in order to bring the whole Ponzi scheme down. Yes, that's right. That's what I said before that, you know, recessions are. are are actually quite good because it purges the system of the the excesses and the things that are not working. But people have been coming to me and saying, what should I do with my money? And I've just said, cash and gold, cash and gold. I've been, but I've been now, saying that for, uh, you know, a year or two now, cash and gold. And But the people who've gone cash and gold, they're, they're just, all they're looking is they're seeing rising markets everywhere and they're watching the falling purchasing power of their cash. It's, with the exception of gold, it's been bad advice. Yes. No. No. I don't. You know. I don't know if that's true or not. Because if you uh, if you look at the gold, the gold has gone up. The cash is as uh, depending upon which denomination. If they're in pounds, uh, you know, that's still holding up around the one hundred and sixty level. But they still have their their basic savings. You know. I mean, uh, people that put some of their money in in the stock markets. Uh, you know, back in two thousand and seven. I mean, they're still underwater by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There's only a few stock markets in the world, you know, the um, Philippines and some of those places. But, you know, the Chinese stock market is just making a 61% retracement off of the 2007. <clears throat> the same thing with the Hang Seng. I mean, none of these are making new highs. They're just making recovery highs. Yeah. 
Okay, Thai stock market up 56% this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the midst of all the uh, the riots and killing and everything that went there, it tells you that the news certainly doesn't, uh, you know, follow the trend, does it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Larry, why don't, why don't you give out your website address? Sure. It's a uh, uh, www uh, trading tutor. That's t r a d i n g t u t o r dot com, and all the information you need will uh, will be there. Excellent stuff. And you're coming to the UK next month. Yes, I'll be. Well, actually, we'll be there uh, uh, for a two-day seminar on uh, January 29th and 30th. Ah, okay. So the November yeah. one's been postponed, has it? Yes, because of the holidays and things. So we made it for January. And I'm going to have to go to Hong Kong to go back home there for a while uh, in December. So we're, uh, we made it for uh, January 29th and 30th. All right. Well, excellent stuff. Well, I look forward to seeing you then. I'm sure we'll talk many times before then. In the meantime, Larry Pesavento, thank you very much. Thank you, Dominic. Bye-bye. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 